Hello again, wonderful people. This is Jason English with Things About Things. We're just trying to simplify concepts without sacrificing depth. We're trying to have meta, meta conversations, right? We're trying to take a topic or a theme and 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 kind of dig down into it and think deeply about it and have a conversation about it and learn from one another about it. Feel free to chime in, at, uh, email me at jason at thingsaboutthings.com if you have ideas of what you'd like us to talk about. This one with my friend Haley, we talked about adult friendships. So it just hits a little different when you're a grown-up, right? Like when you're a kid and maybe the friend lives down the street, and, and, and at least when I grew up, it's like friend lives down the street, I leave the house, I run down the street, I knock on the door, and I say, do you want to play, Right? Or I show up at the community center, go to the basketball court, and I say, do you want to play? Or I go to an outdoor basketball court, and I see some people playing, and I say, do you want to play? Or I go to the next door neighbor, knock on the door, and you want to play, you want to hang out, whatever. And then as you get older, you start using different words. But as you become an adult, it gets a little bit different because you have different kinds of responsibilities, right? And everybody has their schedules and their responsibilities, and nobody's knocking on doors anymore. Rarely is anyone really calling anymore. There's just some texts or some direct messages trying to plan for when you might want to hang out. And if you have an idea that you want to hang out with somebody... Hang out with your friend, with your adult friend. It's like maybe you got to plan a month ahead of time because people be busy, you know, or a week ahead of time or a few days ahead of time. And adult friendships are just different. And some sometimes it's for some people they have it where it's daily or regularly, and the the friends are just coming in and out of the house, and that's cool. Uh, but in Boone, at least I hear a lot of people talking about friendships, you know, there's not that many neighborhoods. And so people are having a hard time catching up with each other. And then everyone I hear, I know just about like, well, you know, this time of year is really busy. And I hear that every time of year. So if that's you just want to say, if you, if every time of year is a busy time of year and you never get around to doing the thing that you want to do and hanging around the people you want to hang out with, how long do you want to live your life not doing the thing that you want to do? And you might be thinking, well, Jason, adult responsibilities are real. And I know that I'm an adult with responsibilities, right? Bills got to be paid. I get it. Kids got to be brought places and dropped off at places and things paid for. Never in my life have I seen this much food consumed in one home. And the groceries are more expensive than ever, and we got to be making that money. And I get it, but at the same time, circle back. Do you want friends? Do you want to hang out with friends as an adult? Do you actually want some sort of deep relationship with adults? Then you don't just say, I'm too busy this time of year and say that all the time. You invest your time, right? Because your time matters. Now, if you're working two, three, four jobs and you barely have any time, I have so much compassion for that. I've been in the kind of place and in many ways still am in the kind of place where I got a lot of things going on, right? But, uh, but for you, for me, we need to think through that's all well and good, and we got to pay the bills and multiple jobs, and good on you for working hard. 
But remember, friends, remember when you wanted to play with your friends so you just went and played with your friends? I think some of us need to be fighting for this again. And Haley and I talk about the nuances of adult friendships. Haley and I have been friends for a decade or something like that. Uh, we, 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 a couple months ago, did a podcast. It's on there uh, on, on thingsaboutthings.com called The Equality Renaissance. Fantastic conversation. One of my favorites of the however many years I've been doing the podcast. I don't know. It's four, four or five. I don't know what it is. I don't keep track. Speaking of not keeping track, I don't know how many people watch this. I don't know how many people listen to this. I don't really know how many people are interested, but I will say this. I do know that there's like 50 people that support it on Patreon with like a dollar a month or, or $5 a month. And I'm, gonna, I'm trying to make that 100 I'm going to ask you to help me make it 100 By the end of 2023, we'll go a little bit at a time. We got... We got a 50-ish. We got 50 more to go-ish. Will you go to thingsaboutthings.com to support the podcast? Or go, you can go directly to patreon.com slash thingsaboutthings, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash thingsaboutthings. If you've been listening for a while, you've been watching for a while, and you just kind of like that this exists, and you want to support somebody who's trying to, in their own artistic way, put their content out into the world whether it be a conversation, a show, whatever it is. Like my form of art usually is with this mouth that doesn't stop too much. I got to stop this mouth on purpose. If I don't stop it on purpose, it just keeps going. You can ask my family. You can ask my close friends. This mouth moves and goes. And I've got all sorts of dreams I've got all sorts of ideas that I want to put out into the world. I don't really write songs. I don't really paint paintings, although sometimes I do some abstract stuff. But my art has to do with some stuff that comes out of right here. Some things that inspire people. Some things that hopefully make people laugh. Some things that hopefully make people think. And that's on September 29th. I'm going to try to do that live. So after you go to patreon.com slash things about things to support the podcast which helps get helped me get the lights and the cameras and the microphones and the iPad and the studio space. But I honestly, the quality of what I got, it's fine, but I want to, I want to get better quality. And also just there's the upkeep, there's the website and there's the storage. And you know what, if you're like, I kind of like what this guy's doing, go to patreon.com slash things about things. And would you just give a dollar or give $5 or for some of you, it wouldn't be anything to give more than that, right? Based on maybe you're just bringing it in and you're like, oh, I'm bringing it in at work. Throw 10 bucks. There, there are a couple people that throw more than that. The ballers with them deep pockets throwing more than that. Maybe that's one, that's you to support a podcast, to support an artistic endeavor. And that artistic endeavor is more than just a podcast. I'm making uh, video teaching shorts. If you haven't seen those, I encourage you to go online. There's one called The Lesson of the Mulberry Tree. I'm really proud of that one. That's the first teaching that has like a spiritual vibe to it. A first teaching that I ever did, the video to put out in the world that was after I was in vocational ministry in church. So it's the first time I ever did a, a video teaching short that is just something I wanted to say that is not through the, that didn't have to be run through the filter of religion. Feel me? So I'm still pumping out stuff, 
right? It's not like content for the sake of content. It's like, I've got some stuff I want to say, so I'm going to say it. Podcast is some conversations about some good stuff, doing some video teaching shorts. A couple of them are coming up here in the next few months. Uh, one's about a spiral. Be on the lookout for a spiral teaching. And September 29th, I'm doing a live comedy show. Dream being fulfilled in the making. Do you remember a dream that you had as a kid? You remember one of those things that you had as a kid that you're like, when I grow up, I'm going to be an astronaut. Remember those moments? You were like 10 or you were five or maybe a little old, maybe you're 12, 13, and you were like, man, you know what I'm going to do when I'm a grown up, right? Mine, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian and have a DJ on the stage with hip-hop playing and the audience dancing. That's what it was. That's just straight up the truth. And that's just a memory that I have that my whole life growing up watching, uh, watching um, you know, Spike Lee movies and listening to all the hip-hop, all of it, all the time. That's what I wanted to do. And somewhere along the way, as real life hit and bills and blah, 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 and responsibilities, that, that dream just kind of fizzled. And I forgot. Because it sounds childish to dream like that. It's ridiculous. It's silly. It's, it's, it's specifically silly. And you know what? It is specifically silly. And a couple years ago, my my true self reminded me. I was like, remember that thing? Ever since you were three, you've been talking about it. And when you were 12, you really wanted to. When you were 15, you were convinced that's what you wanted to do with your life. And then it fizzled away. And a couple years ago, Jace, the real Jason uh, woke back up and went, oh, that's what I want to do with my life. Although I'm not trying to, I'm not necessarily trying to do it as like a a career. I'm just talking about an artistic endeavor. Just like I've got friends that are artists across the board. Some of them paint, some of them play songs, some of them write poetry, some of them dance, and they're performers, performers on all these levels. I have only a few friends that that is their full-time career. Most of my friends, their artistic endeavors are their side passions. They're just do they're just putting this art out into the world because the world needs there to be art in the world, right? Not just famous art, art. that Whatever is in you, that that passion, that art, whatever it is that you're like, this, I want to put this into the world for it to exist, for the world to benefit from it, because I know that if I do this thing the way my heart is really telling me I'm going to do this thing, then it will be good to exist in the world. Doesn't matter how many people see it, doesn't matter if anyone buys it, blah, 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 but it, I want it to exist because it's a chunk of me in an artistic form. That's that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm doing. So I'm going to do it. I am doing it. I've done it. I've been doing open mics. I had a show in Banner Elk, and I had a show in downtown Boone, and the one in downtown Boone, we packed it out, flip open that garage, and overflow into the streets, and now we're going more. September 29th, which is a Friday, go to your calendar, go to thingsaboutthings.com, Will you do that? Thingsaboutthings.com? All right, let's check out Haley and I talking about adult friendships. Haley is an adult. Haley is my friend. I'm an adult, and I'm her friend. There we go. We're friends. So we talk about being friends.
All right, so you're an adult. I'm an adult. We are adults. We're both adults. By certain definitions, yes. Yes. But, I, I mean, we're bo- we're in the clear age-wise. Yeah. I still feel quite juvenile sometimes. It's normal. <laughs> Particularly in my sense of humor. You know? Ah. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll wear the adult badge. Yeah. When do you think it starts? When do you think adulthood starts? I think it varies depending on the person. I think what there's, about- like, a legal definition, right? Okay. But, like... Your, your frontal cortex, your prefrontal cortex doesn't fully develop until you're 25. And I think that's... So that's a, a good way to think about it as... <laughs> yeah, that's like a pretty important part of development. That explains the first three years of my marriage in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. I was just the Neanderthal that hadn't fully developed now. That's, there you go. That's not exactly true. I'm, over, I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit. <laughs> but, uh, but, okay, so 25 is a good place to start as a potential. And I know not everybody's different, but instead of thinking of an age... Or an event. Uh, how does someone know when they've become an adult? Like, how do they know it, that it's set in? I don't know. That's a really good question. Like, if it's not based on age and it's not based on a particular event or milestone. I know 50-year-olds that sure do seem like children to me. Yeah. I'm not sure everybody becomes an adult. Yeah, actually. and I, and when I when I I shouldn't even say it that way, because that that actually would that belittles children when I say that. Yeah. Some people, it's not even like children. I just mean like they're immature altogether. Like they never yeah. actually matured as a person. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of beautiful stuff that we need to keep from our childhood or childlikeness yeah. in our adulthood. But like. Gosh, I've talked to people. I'm just like, wow, I just spoke to a straight up child just now. And they're mm-hmm. like 70. Yeah. You know, so something, there's something about when, so in the conversation about adult friendships, I think I was just going to skip to like, okay, when you're growing up and you have friendships, but then I was thinking. Yeah, it might be important to define What that. is an adult or how do you know? Yeah. When, do you ever, have you ever had that thought in your, what? the average person would say is your adult life where you're like, am I grown up yet? (laughs) Yeah. I think when I'm just thinking about this now. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I think when you, um, are fully responsible for yourself. Oh, that's a good one. And your well-being, your future, your existence, and even more so if you have to be responsible for other people, like if you're a parent or if you have to care for or somebody. Or a partner, even, that you just, yeah. you take care of each other. Partner, a parent, a caretaker, any of those things, I think. Sure. I think increasing responsibility is increasing adulthood. Yeah. That's the best definition I have. But there's more, yeah, so maybe there isn't a line then, because really that responsibility goes really old. Yeah. And they, I guess, would be more mature. And maybe that's part of it is when you don't do that. Yeah, some like people if you, refuse to do that. If you don't do the responsibility part, mm-hmm. you don't learn the lesson of what it means to be the adult, maybe. Mm. I think there's something to it. And there's, it's, you know, and there might be people that are like, well, I paid the bills, so that's responsibility. And in some ways, they're right, so they learn something about adulthood. Yeah. But maybe if the emotional part wasn't there, they, they didn't learn that. Yeah, there's some layers there. It's like levels of adulthood, right? Yeah, and then there's if they didn't get what they needed from the adults in their life, they don't even know how to do the thing when they become the adult generational yeah. stuff. 
<sighs> it's tough. That feels like too deep of a road to go down. I know, right? For the, let's go. Signing <laughs> <laughs> uh, off. Yeah. Well, but the friendships part. Okay. Yeah. Adult friendships. What are we talking about? What were you? I'm going to look something up too while you're, yeah. while you're starting. I, I just something I've been thinking about a lot, you know, being back in a, a town that I used to live in and moved away from for four years and right. I'm back and it's an extra layer of weird because it's a college town and it's the town where I went to college. Right. And the, the point in my life when I had the most friends and the most close friends was when I lived here and was in college, but everybody's moved away and I've moved back. And, you know, it's like... Except your wife. Yeah, well, she's kind of, you know, my, my traveling buddy, you know, um, my co-pilot. Yeah. So, um, we're more than friends, yeah. thankfully. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so it's just something I've been thinking about, like, how to, how to cultivate adult friendships, how to create new adult friendships, because it's different when you're in school. And I think that's another layer of what it means to be an adult is, like, you're not in those school environments where you're kind of forced to socialize. Mm-hmm. Like when you're a kid, friendships just happen naturally. Like if somebody asked you how you and somebody that was a childhood friend became friends, you were like, I don't know, it just happened. You know, you can't identify a particular time usually or an event. It could be you were in class and you sat next to them and you just started talking. It could be that yeah. you lived close and they were out playing. It could be you're on the same baseball team. and The same bus. It could be anything. Whatever, yeah. yeah. But the thing they probably all have in common is they're all super, super short. Yeah. And I, it's sort of funny <laughs> to say, but we walk around and there's a whole bunch of like tall people walking around and we're like, how would I know who to talk to? Yeah. And a kid like walks around and they're like, well, I know I'm not talking to the huge people. Yeah. So if there's a <laughs> tinier person, that at no, least narrows it down a little <laughs> bit more. Yeah. But I think there's also a, a level of like a purity mm-hmm. or or there's not the same kind of filter that's used of whether you're willing to yeah. pursue, especially within the context of maybe like a healthy, uh, like an emotionally healthy child, if they, yeah. if they are given love in some level at home and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like... Kids are kind of known for just going like, do you want to be friends? Yeah. Or like, do you want to play? And they just fearlessly mm-hmm. uh, do that. Can you imagine if we, instead of saying like, do you want to go grab a cup of coffee or have dinner or whatever, if it was just like, do you want to play? Yeah. You know? Although you might find your real friends <laughs> if that's how he started. But That's true. Yeah. But it, do, it does just sort of happen as a kid. Yeah. How does it happen as an adult? How does it start? That that's the million dollar question, isn't yeah. it? I think when like when you move from childhood to an adult, you have to become more intentional about it. Um, yeah. When you're a kid, because you're in little environments of sort of forced socialization, you can't not socialize to some extent. Yeah. Um, you you eventually have to become more intentional about. Picking friends, approaching people, finding community spaces. Um, And I think that's a hard adjustment because it's so easy to just have friends of convenience because, oh, we're in the same class for 
12 years and we're our names are almost the same so we're always sitting next to each other because it's alphabetical yeah uh you know <laughs> and um I don't know. I think friendships of convenience are very common in childhood because you, you're just kind of forced into them and in, to an extent. And then yeah. when you're older, you, you actually have a choice. Right. But you have to actually <laughs> do something about it. You have to find people. And uh, I think you have, also have to be vulnerable. You have to put yourself out there and be willing to face some social rejection, which is really hard for people, especially nowadays, I think. Yeah. I don't, for whatever reason, I haven't really felt that fear uh, in the uh, the beginning stages, the initial part. Mm-hmm. The fear for me kicks in when we've been friends for a year or two or three. Yeah. And then I, I like evaluate it <laughs> to see the status. Yeah. That's when it starts messing with me because I'm like, am I calling them enough? Are they mm-hmm. calling me enough? If we, when's the last time we hung out? Am I doing a good enough job as her friend? Right. Right. But but when it comes to the initial thing, I just walk up to people and start talking. And That's then so I, interesting. Yeah. And then I'm like, do you, do you, especially with guys, it's easier for me. Yeah. I just kind of go like, hey, can I have your number? Um, it just there's a there's there's a smaller percentage of chance that I'll offend someone if I just low ask risk. To, yeah. Yeah. You know. I get it. But uh, unless it's a mom. Mm. And like I'm a dad, and our kids are there, and they're they're like, "Can we play?" And then I go, yeah. "Oh yeah, we exchange numbers." That's not the same as, "Hey, can I get your digits?" You know? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> just it's some different. woman that you run into. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah it's different. <laughs> but uh, I don't seem to have that. But I think the average person mm-hmm. does. They have yeah. that filter. For Vulnerability sure. is needed. It's probably helpful if there's some stuff that people have in common. Definitely helps. At least something. Yeah. Even if it's one thing. It doesn't even have to be like a hobby or an interest, though. Like, it could be you're in the same life place. You're going through something similar. Absolutely. Um, So I think it's easy for us to be like, oh, well, I don't have anything in common with this person because they're into anime and I'm into baseball or something. But yeah, um, I think for most people, you can find something in common, something to connect over. We're more alike with other people than we are different in the long run. Yeah. During the initial COVID quarantine, Mm -hmm. when people were like, the whole world's going to fall apart, zombie apocalypse, you know, (laughs) kind of thing. Um, Even before it was as polarized Mm -hmm. because of the unknowns, right? Uh, Which is kind of ironic. The more things we knew, I felt like the more polarization and I was just like, what anyway (laughs) but uh i decided to go old school and i was like i know out of these two streets that we kind of live around they're kind of lumped together i was like i know maybe half Mm -hmm. or a little bit more than half but there's plenty of houses i don't think i've ever spoken with these people and i just like knocked on the door and then (laughs) walked all the way back because of the covid thing like like halfway into their yard (laughs) and went hey i'm jason i live you know, about five houses down. I don't think we've ever, and just connected more with people. And then there were some people that I already knew, but I did that and just kind of, we just hung out more. Yeah. And then that led to it. So there's still some convenience that -hmm. helped me. Right. And then there's also like what we had in common was we lived, we were neighbors. 
Yeah. So that's a thing you have in common is your neighbors. That's as, and if you think about it, that's kind of as old school as it gets. It really does. Yeah. For friendship. It does. That reminds me of my earliest friends, like living yeah. in a suburban neighborhood where there were tons of kids in the neighborhood and we just all kind of found each other. And those were my friends growing up primarily Yeah. because of the convenience. We were neighbors that we, everybody hung out. We did block parties and cookouts and stuff like that. Our parents were friends to some extent. It was like those things just happen in neighborhoods, you know? Yeah. A lot of them anyway. I'm sure in some cases it doesn't. Depending. It's on harder to find in Boone. Yeah. There aren't as many neighborhoods, first of all. It's not suburbia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So the beginning is vulnerability. Somebody has to initiate maybe something in common. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what does it usually look like when it's kind of like friendship initiated? <laughs> you know, is it yeah. is it like, what's the first thing you do <laughs> when you're an adult and you meet another adult and you think that you might want to be friends? Yeah. What then happens? <laughs> what happens? If you know. go like, oh, hey, <laughs> uh, do you want to exchange numbers and maybe hang out sometime? Is that is that what happens? I think in some cases, yeah. Uh, I mean... Hopefully. And then it, it requires some follow through, right? I think there's a lot of times where you do that step and, and then, then there's no follow through. Yeah. Um, I can actually sure. think of several examples where uh, my wife and I have done that with people we've met who've been like, we really like these people and we get their number and we talk about making plans and then we just never do. Yeah. And so I think got to go that extra step of being intentional um, and, and following up. Why do you think there's a fear of rejection or if mm. there is? Yeah, I don't know. I think it, it hurts. It's hard to, to deal with because I think intrinsically everybody wants to be accepted and ideally loved. Um, and I think rejection hurts. It can feel very personal. It can feel like there's something wrong with me where people don't want to spend time with me. And it's like, it's not necessarily a personal thing. It could be they're busy. It could be. You know, there's other things going on. There's so many factors involved, but it can feel very personal, even if it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some people just aren't your people, too, you know? No kidding. <laughs> so you might dodge a bullet sometimes. No kidding. But, yeah, I think uh, we're we're designed to protect ourselves. And, mm. and um, I think that defense mechanism says don't take the risk. Because we don't know if we can handle the rejection or the aftermath of this. Even though we all do. We go through rejection. We bounce back from it. Yeah. But there's such a fear there because of self-preservation, I think. We're, we're all just trying to maintain. And it's like there's there's a difference between re- outright rejection mm-hmm. where they tell you that they're rejecting you as opposed to the wonderful new invention of ghosting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's so insulting. That's such a, when did, when did it start? I mean, I know that it, it's always existed, but when, once we got cell phones and we could text each other, yeah. that changed it. Cause like communication was immediately obvious. Like you got it mm-hmm. before it'd be like, I called and you guys you must not have been home because the answering machine picked up. <laughs> or the pigeon didn't make it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like three months. Well, I mailed a letter to London and it's been three months, but give it more time. Yeah. Text message, you got it. Yeah. So if you didn't get it, you blocked me. And mm-hmm. if you didn't 
if you did get it, you're ignoring, you're ignoring me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try not to think about that stuff because one thing that I've learned over the years is that you never know what somebody else is going through. Yeah. Don't know. I mean, unless you're close with them and they literally tell you. And even then, you're not even really sure if it's everything. Right. But if you're just texting somebody and you don't hear back, mm-hmm. you don't know anything that's going on. Yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's beneficial to your own heart at all to think about the why. Yeah. Especially to, to make not assumptions. The, the negative assumptions, especially. Yeah. Just believe the best about the person. It, it, you'll sleep better. And you're doing it for yourself, yeah. I think. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I definitely think that it it really became popularized with cell phones because of the the instantaneous aspect of it. All right. Here's another question. How do you know the difference? between fear of rejection or fear in general. No, stick with fear of rejection. And your own intuition telling you to not trust that person. Hmm. Because sometimes when I'm talking to someone, I'm like, I don't trust this person. Yeah, I don't know. I think they feel different. I think those feelings are One of them is like, I don't know if I want to talk to them because I'm afraid that they might not like me. And another mm. one is, I don't know if I want to talk to them because I don't think I want to talk to them. Yeah. Or we're already talking. You ever had that? Like in the middle of a sentence, you go, oh, mm-hmm. whoa, something's going on. Yeah. That's just, is that discernment is a word that can be intuition. used? Intuition. Yeah. I, I feel like I have a really strong sense of intuition. And so I can feel very quickly and very strongly if somebody is safe or not. But how? Not counting the obvious. Like sometimes they'll use words that are just obvious yeah. words. Sometimes it's not even. It's not something that's said. It. I, I can't explain it. Yeah, it's a vibe. It's it's something otherworldly. I cannot describe it. Yeah. So I I think that I don't ever, I don't want to hurt anyone. Sure. So if I feel that, I just I try to trust myself. Mm-hmm. And the tough thing with that is you don't, you're not always right. Sure. But as long as you're not trying to hurt them, if you just trust that intuition that maybe there's not safety there, mm-hmm. then the worst case scenario is you, you ended up not having a friendship with someone that you might've had a good friendship with. Sure. As opposed to the worst case scenario, I think is if you, Ax murder. if you, yeah, <laughs> if you don't, if you, if you actually, yeah have malintent of some kind. Yeah. I always say like murder, suicide. When people say worst case scenario, I, I pay an extra $3. I'm like, the worst case scenario is murder, suicide. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> pretty much yeah. people go like worst case scenario. I have to go back to the store and I'm like, no, you could no. die. <laughs> it could be much, much worse. Yeah. I don't think your worst case scenario is worse enough. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So where, where, where else do we go from here? I don't know. I think the question is like how to, find those spaces where you do find your people, you find your tribe, you find your, yeah, those people who you can cultivate that really essential sort of friendship that everybody needs. Cause I think that especially if you're in um, a relationship, like an intimate relationship with somebody, it's extra healthy if you have friends (laughs) and you're, you are hanging out with people outside of that relationship. And so it's a matter of finding those people. Who, who can I trust myself and my time with? How do I find them in a space where I, I d- haven't lived here in four years? I haven't been a part of it. It's changed, and so have I. And it's like, where, where are the spaces, you know? 
All right, let's talk about spaces without using any specific names. Right, right, right. Okay, so where do people meet each other? Exactly. As adults, how does that happen? There's work. Neighbors. Uh, but hold on. With work, there's so many people that now have decided that they, they actually can thrive working from home. So My that, job. Yeah, so that just, soup, yeah. that just changed the game. Yeah, it's a huge game. It saved a lot of money for companies because of office space and blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. But also change the game because you're not like bumping into somebody in the hall or in the break room and just yeah. kicking it and just going, oh, you like this too? Mm. Oh, you want to have dinner? It totally. doesn't happen as much on Zoom, you know? Well, it does to an extent. Like, I feel very close with my coworkers. I mm. really hit it off with them. Uh, my team is awesome. Um, and I'm really thankful that I get to work from home and that I have such a great team. And I wish that I lived closer so that I could spend more in-person time with them because I know that I would. Um, but the geographical distance is like, this is impractical, and, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and in my experience is if I meet someone in that kind of setting, if I if the first time I meet them, I realize we don't live in the same place, mm-hmm. even though I feel some sort of connection, I kind of go, is this worth it Yeah. to pursue a friendship? Because when I have a friend, I'm going to try to stay in touch. Right. And there might be windows of time that I'm not, but overall it's going to be, you know, I've got a couple friends that, I've never lived in the same place as them. And Mm. somewhere along the way, we just kind of hit it off. And 20 years later, we still talk on a regular basis and send each other messages. And I care for them very deeply. But but there's still, at first, there was a filter of like, is this even worth my time? Yeah, because it's taxing sometimes. You have to expend a lot of energy to keep up with people. And I think that that's one of the hardest parts about maintaining friendships is you got to have the bandwidth to do it. And, I mean, if you really want to maintain relationships, you'll find it. Yeah. But it can be hard, especially if there's geographical distance or mm-hmm. you got other things going on. you got kids. you got all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so beyond just finding those community spaces and meeting people, it's like how, how do you maintain mm-hmm. in this hustle culture and in this environment where... There's just so much going on all the time, and you gotta have time to slow down and mm-hmm. and think, and uh, it's it just feels like a lot. Work, neighborhood, places of worship, mm-hmm. people. I think I've been told that people have joined churches or synagogues just so they can meet people. Yeah, in mosques. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh yeah. Especially, you're not just going, and there might be humans there. You probably choose the kind of place of worship that in some way corresponds with some of your values. So then yeah. it increases the chances of them having similar values, mm-hmm. which is actually really understandable. Smart. As long as it's not going too far. Right. Like, unless you believe these 1,000 exact bullet points exactly like me. Yeah. That's... Uh, One of them's off. Deal yeah, break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, I understand if they're like, I want to go places where we talk about this holy scripture and pray. Like, mm-hmm. okay, it actually makes sense to be around other people that totally. want to do that, too, you know. But yeah. where else? Book clubs? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I want, yeah. They've been very, I've only known of a couple in Boone yeah. in the last years. But, uh, I mean, if you participate in any kind of, like, recreational sport, like, yeah church softball or the like you know that's I, I just I think about. met a couple friends playing basketball at the rec center yeah but it was i had to i had to make the transition from 
we're just playing basketball to like, do you want to be friends kind of thing? Yeah. And, uh, cause a lot of, I don't know if it's a combination of the hustle busyness and then, a, and then technology with ever you can always have music in your ears all mm-hmm. the time. Constantly. So I go to the rec center and I'm playing basketball and I go in and my, I like, just because I'm wired the way I am, I'm like <laughs> eye contact, eye contact, <laughs> uh, smile. Yeah. Uh, and so and there's so many like, nope. Like I see it. I'm like, I'm kind of like the, hi, do you want to play basketball? And, and I, I give them that energy and, and they're just like, nope. And they just stay on their side of the, their <laughs> yeah. court. And I'm like, great. They go to the other gym. They're like, nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if somebody actually is, you know, willing to talk while we're playing. Yeah. I trying to get a feel for if they're cool but Mm. but uh how many friends are we really shooting for i yeah i don't think that quantity is the goal right i mean when you're younger definitely uh maybe when you're a little kid or yeah when you're younger quantity everyone's my friend yeah quantity is more important when you're younger i think it feels more important anyway i don't know that it actually is but no there's a in my experience there's a false there's a there's a there's a false sense of happiness or like a false promise of happiness mm-hmm. that if you have a whole bunch of people that like you, then that will somehow make you happy. More is better. Yeah. yeah. And in my experiences, because like, I, I mean, you remember hearing me what I talked about with my joke about <laughs> yeah. in, in high school and stuff. <laughs> it was like there were so many people mm-hmm. that I knew and knew me. Yeah. But I didn't feel like I had very many friends. Yeah. And I wonder if that's a common feeling or if it is just my experience. You know? I think it's pretty common. I think so. I think there's a, a correlation between the more people that you invite into your life, the less time and energy you have to invest in them, like with any amount of intimacy. And so your relationships will instinctively stay kind of surface level if you have that many people you're trying to manage at one time. You just can't possibly do it. There's not enough hours in the day. There's not enough energy in in one person's body, I don't think. And so I think it's much more sustainable to have a handful or less of those really close friends who you kind of let into that inner circle. Yeah. You could have some, like, a little bit more in the outer circle, but those aren't people you're asking to hang out with weekly or monthly. I still think about the... um the tabernacle and temple stuff mm-hmm. in the Bible, even though I, ha- I don't really like think of it in the same way that I used to. I still, yeah. I mean, I studied it for so many years, right? It's and taught on it for so many years. But I think about the, um, there's like the outer courts of the temple. Mm-hmm. And then there was the inner courts. Yeah. And then there was a, a, another place there. And then there was like the Holy of Holies. And yeah. then, then there was a curtain inside the Holy of Holies. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think like if I was going to start in there, be like the, the inside of the curtain of the Holy of Holies, um, I could interpret as just maybe Kimberly and I, Yeah. or maybe I could say Kimberly and gray mm-hmm. and Violet and I, or I could go the other way and just say, it's only me. Yeah. And with my, with my, like, Yourself. with myself and with God or the universe or, mm-hmm. the, you know, whatever word, like, yeah, I could go either way with what I mean when, when I think of that. But then outside of that, then there's like, there's a few people. Yeah. And for whatever reason, th- what I think of as those few people, what does that mean? And how do I know who they are? Mm-hmm. It's not based on 
<clears throat> anything that I can, anything tangible yeah. that I can really point out. It's just for whatever reason, we have both extended some sort of safety and love to each other in a way that if something really, really good happened or really, really bad happened, they would come to my mind as among the first people to call. Yeah. That's my, that's my people. Mm -hmm. And they're not even all the same as each other. Yeah. Some of them are very different from each other. Mm -hmm. There's no one on, there's no one that's like, like hatefully different from each other because I probably am not going to be hanging with that anyway. Yeah. I don't want that in my life. Right. Yeah. That's a good way to describe that sort of inner circle. I think where it's like, they're the people you go to in an emergency. They're the people yeah. you go to when shit hits the fan and you need some backup. You need reinforcements. Yeah, you need or good somebody. shit hits the fan yeah. too, whatever that analogy yeah. would be. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Something really cool. But then I think of, then there's still other people mm. that I would still eventually call. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like this huge news in your life, mm-hmm. you might not think of them to call right now, but yeah. after you've made those phone calls and another week goes by, you might go, oh, I need to call, yeah. you know. And a lot of times it's for the same reason, mm-hmm. but maybe not as much time together. Yeah, I kind of felt that scenario when I was moving back here. So the community that I finally established in the D.C. area, when we decided we were moving... those people came to mind those first few people of who i need to tell first and so i did and i made it 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 was intentional to talk to them and see them before we left and then there was sort of a second layer of i should probably tell these people too because i spent some time with them they Mm -hmm. were you know we hung out together they were important at one time or, or something like that and then yeah those were the people where it was like if i have time to see them great if not you know it's okay i let them know and so there's like these layers of of closeness that I feel like I could see in that instance. And just in general, too, anytime a big event happens, it's like, these are the people I got to talk to. And these are the people who I might eventually talk to, you know? Yeah. Where do we go from here? Well, I guess, what do we do, what do, we do yeah. with the friends? Yeah. I, Book clubs are good, I guess. Yeah. I, 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 I've been... You know, it doesn't have a lot of stuff except for the outdoor stuff. And I don't mean yeah. to, I'm not belittling that, belittling that. That's my favorite stuff. Same. But when it's 37 degrees and windy and raining, I'm not like, <laughs> let's go on a hike. Yeah. You know, like there, I know some people that are hardcore and they're like, just get the right gear. I'm like, but it's not fun. Yeah. That's me. So I'm like coffee. Yeah. Maybe hang out in the evening and have mm. dinner uh, and just like hang out and talk. Right. But I... I want more than that. And yeah. I, I had more than that when I didn't live in Boone. But what what else, what other things are people doing these days? I don't know. I, I guess it depends on what your hobbies are. If you have hobbies, if you have time for hobbies. Uh, yeah, whatever those hobbies are. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I mean. Podcasts. If, yeah. We can... Hey, if, uh, <laughs> if your goal for friendships is to like do things with people, then you need to have something in common that you like to do. Well, well what's the goal of friendships? Yeah. What, what's the goal of friendships? <laughs> what we, is let's it? talk about this. And yeah. I, I, we're not answering on behalf of everyone. Although, you know, we Got probably it. should. Yeah, they, they need, need to know. <laughs> we're the authority. Yeah, I mean, we have, we have viewers <laughs> just hanging on the edge of their seat right now. Literally. What is the goal? Why are we doing this? Yeah. Well, let's talk through this. What's the goal of friendships? 
Wow. I think it could it could be any number of things. And I think it depends on what you need at any given time. Because I think, for me, different friends have been really important to me at different times for different reasons. And maybe those friendships didn't last for whatever reason. Or maybe they did. I don't think it devalues the friendship if it didn't last. Because yeah. they were very important to me at that time for a particular reason. And so... I think the goal of friendship changes depending on what you need because we're communal creatures. We need other people. It's very hard to live an isolated life. And so I think the goal is community or communion, you yeah, know, Yeah. Um, at the, the basic level. Yeah. From there, I think you could go any number of directions like, oh, I need um, to share a hobby with somebody or I need to share this interest or... I need, you know, intellectual stimulation and yeah, deep thinking. Yeah, I need that. Um, it, it could be anything. What is it for you? I think there's a lot of things that I, I need, and I need different people for them. Oh, because yeah. not anybody could do one thing. I think I do need somebody I can have really great talks with. I need somebody who challenges me to, to be my best self. Mm-hmm. Because I think plenty of people are just like, yeah, you're great, whatever, you're great. But also, I want to be told and grow yeah not just from your own motivation right yeah i want people to be like i noticed this and you know i could see you doing this really amazing thing you have so much potential here and and kind of urge me to to grow yeah i don't i I don't hardly ever have that yeah in my life it's rare um because the energy i've been around that has brought the like challenging thing was in a conservative religious context and I didn't really vibe with the things they were challenging me about. Yeah. You know, it's like, I can tell you that after 20 something years of thoroughly studying and teaching the Bible, I don't want to read it every day. And I don't want (laughs) someone telling me that I have to read the Bible every day. And that's the challenge. Like, I want to be like, step up your challenging game, dude. Yeah. Challenge me on something better than that. Yeah, something I haven't thought of before, something I haven't heard of before, something I didn't realize about myself or how I interact with people or um, a way that I'm holding myself back from my fullest self or something like that. I think the the closest friends are the people who will tell you those things. Yeah. Who will say, you know, this isn't cool. I love you. You're great. This doesn't seem like you is a a, a good way, healthy way I've heard. Yeah. Or like, hey, this time last year, mm. you said that you wanted your life to be like X, Y, Z, and you haven't made any changes. What's up with that? Yeah, what are we going to do about it? Because it's, you know, the reason I like those, it's like, hey, you're the one who initiated the, that you wanted this change. So yeah. I feel like as your friend, I have permission to bring it up. I'm helping hold yeah. you accountable yeah, yeah. for what you've decided is your goal. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I think that is a sign of a great friend and a close friend. And One, something I look for. Yeah, I do too. And I, I also look for people different than me. Same. Oh my gosh. Especially yes. physic, uh, visually. Yeah. Because that's the first impression. Mm-hmm. Like the, for the most, most experiences in life, I mean, there's exceptions, but you see someone. Yeah. And then that's your first filter is like, <laughs> do I, do I, am I interested in what I'm looking at here? Yeah. You know, and Kimberly and I talk about that a lot where it's like, we could tell all sorts of stories of like how we got to know each other and whatever. Yeah. But it was just straight up. I was like, whoa, yeah. that was the first impression. And that's actually like 
not only is it understandable, it's perfectly normal. Yeah. Like my eyes saw her and I liked what I was looking at. What else could, how else could there be another first? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, uh, so I look at people and if they look different, especially I'm in a mountain town with like 93% white people. At least. Yeah. The last consensus I think was something like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, census. And, Same uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so now I'm like, but the weird thing is that there can be a tokenization in this. Totally, yeah. But I feel like when you're in a community that that has the these statistics, I don't know what else to do except just be like, "Hey, here's a person mm-hmm. that like, uh, like for instance, in our neighborhood, we had we used to have someone that was from Kenya, mm-hmm. and we also had someone from South Korea, right? Like from those countries living in Boone." Mm-hmm. Of course I'm going to them. Yeah. You know, and honestly, I'm doing it for myself. Mm. I'm also doing it for them. I want them to feel welcomed. Yeah. I want them to feel welcome just because they're my neighbor. I want them to feel welcome because if I moved across the world to somewhere, I would love it if somebody would welcome me. Yeah. Uh, And especially with some history of people being mistreated when they come Mm -hmm. to this country. But really, I'm going to grow. Yeah. I'm going to grow if I just, no fear, knock on that door. Hi, you know, mm-hmm. may, maybe not bring a meal quite at first because it might be something that would be bad to give food wise. That can yeah, happen sometimes. That is true. Don't bring any pork on the first date. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> just in case <laughs> or any meat, a, really. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, especially in Boone. Man. Yeah. Just, just go vegan. vegan. Actually, yeah. just go <laughs> Just bring them vegan brownies. <laughs> Gluten-free and vegan. <laughs> and end the friendship early because they're not going to like those things. Yeah. No, they might. But I, I, I learn so much when I'm around people different and just mm-hmm. listening. Yeah, I think that's where that like challenge aspect comes uh-huh. in, you know? Like, people who are different from us inherently challenge us, even if it's not, oh, I want to challenge you on this topic or this belief of yeah. yours. Uh, it's you know, challenging you to think about the world differently and about people differently, about cultures differently. And so having a diverse network of friends, I think is so important to yeah. cultural awareness and competency and just being a decent person, you know, yeah. um, understanding different norms across cultures and what what's considered polite, what's considered, yeah. um, you know, normal there or acceptable there. I don't know. I just think... I've always gravitated towards people who are different from me in in every sense. Yeah. Especially ideologically. Um, oh, wow. Because I'm just so curious. I want to understand how people came to feel so strongly about certain things, believe so wholeheartedly in certain things. And I, I love to trace that experience to, to figure out how it came about and, and to humanize people who maybe it's easy to demonize too. Yeah. I love gravitating towards people who like spirituality yeah, or, or just are religious mm-hmm. in, a, in a religion that I'm not as educated about Yeah, and just go and like friendship because I, I think if you're the kind of person that's into like, let's say, let's say, uh, well, let me back up. I think that people who are into religion and spirituality, at least I guess healthy expressions of those. Sure. They're talking about 
a lot of the same things with different words. Mm -hmm. And they don't know they're talking about the same thing until they talk to each other. And there's like a, oh, actually, I think that. Mm -hmm. Or actually, I think that, but I I use this other word instead. Yeah. And it's just a word difference. It's not even like a, the feeling isn't even different. No, the principle is not different. And I think sharing that with people and realizing that is a bridge between cultures and identities and mm-hmm. um it's a way to see the other as yourself yeah and i think that's holy um that that's one of the holiest experiences i think i've ever had is to be able to do that so what does that mean say say that again and say it like explain what you mean to see some the other as yourself yeah i mean that's a Age-old phrase, right? Yeah. But what does that mean? I think to realize that we're more alike than we are different. Yeah. That we're really not, you're really not the other. We are the same. Yeah. We share the same energy between us, the same divinity, the same humanity. Yeah. And I think realizing that and accepting it and just celebrating it with people is just so beautiful. Um, And I think that's an intimacy in itself. Um. I don't know. There's a lot of people who, who can't do that and who or refuse to. Um, for one yeah, or yeah, and maybe they decide because of one or two differences of opinion that might be just like ethics, values, f- religion, pol- politics. Yeah. Or sports team sometimes <laughs> separates people. Yeah. Sorry, no Yankees fans. Yeah, I've seen people who <laughs> went to different colleges that are rivals yeah. refuse to shake hands with each other in, outside of the the. Yeah. the sports facilities wow inside at the game i get it sure (laughs) like yay my team boo other team yeah totally fine but when you cross over the line outside and you meet them and at the grocery store and they're wearing just just be a normal person yeah that stuff bugs me so much people get very passionate about things that are maybe not worth the (laughs) the energy maybe not all right so you mentioned friendships ending yeah. And this is the thing that I was looking up. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> Five things to remember when a friendship ends. Uh-huh. Losing friends is a regular part of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, uh, some, okay, one 2009 study found that people on average lose about half of their friends every seven years. That's probably true. How yeah. about that, huh? I believe it. Yeah. One of the most common reasons relationships end is because they just fall through the cracks. Hmm. Which is a pretty... It says, says psychologist and friendship expert. <laughs> and I'm like, so you had to become a psychologist and friendship expert to just say, sometimes people just fall through the cracks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, expert. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what We really wisdom. are the experts. <laughs> yeah. We are totally qualified to be talking about this. Says losing friends... <laughs> Is a right, we're adults and we're friends, so we can talk about adult friendship. Exactly. Qualified. Uh, losing friends is a regular part of life. Number two, make the unsaid said. Okay, here we go. Here's a quote. In friendship, we don't make the unsaid said. People get to a point where they want to end the friendship before actually addressing the problem. Mm. And the and, end quote. And I'm not going to say all the names in here, so (laughs) email me at jason at thingsaboutthings.com and I'll tell you where I got this. People who value friendships are more likely... This is still make the unsaid said. People Mm -hmm. who value friendships are more likely to address issues rather than pull away. Mm -hmm. And having open conflict is linked to having deeper intimacy when handled empathetically. 
I want to talk about this for a few minutes because I feel like COVID sabotaged this mm. in my life. Yeah. But I also went through a significant transition. There was a lot going on at once. In my yeah. in my life, in my career. It feels it felt significant. Definitely. If you do something for twenty something years and then you just say, I don't think I want to do this anymore, that's already big. Yeah. If it if that thing involves regularly standing up in from in front of an entire community, that, mm-hmm. I mean that's a pretty big deal. But I, I don't know if it's just COVID brought separation from people plus a transition, but what I would say is uh it says people get to a point where they want to end the friendship before actually addressing the problem. That's like that's the norm that I've gotten used to. Yeah. And it goes along with how easy it is to do the ghosting. Mm-hmm. But there are, when the, when our culture started to feel more and more and more and more polarized. Yeah. And then one, maybe one post that someone did mm-hmm. reveals, oh, you're on the other side of this issue. Yeah. And it could have been one of a dozen or more, you know. Right. There were like... There were there were a cool dozen at least really yeah. really fiery at one point right there probably still is but like 2020 especially it was like which <laughs> one of these dozen issues is gonna end your friendship with this person pretty much yeah not too many people I didn't talk with too many people about this mm-hmm. meaning like when this friendship started to drift maybe I ghosted people I don't. I don't remember actively thinking that I wanted to do that. Yeah. Okay. But maybe I did. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to like admit maybe I ghosted people. Sure. But my experience that I had was I got really ghosted mm-hmm. by a good chunk of people. Yeah. Really fast during during that summer of 2020 time. Mm-hmm. Really starting around 2016, but then <laughs> continuing yeah. in 2020 just became, and all of a sudden it was like, huh. Hey, this person that everybody's gone. <laughs> yeah, this person that like I've hung out with for years and had them over for yeah Christmas Eve meal. Like they're just not in my life anymore at all, and I haven't heard from them. And yeah, what happened there? Mm-hmm. You know, definitely. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely something to be said for friendships that sort of fizzle out for one reason or another, whether it's, you know, ghosting and it's more more of a hardcore, yeah. like, there was an effort made and somebody didn't respond to the effort. Or um, I think sometimes people just know that it's run its course. And I think that's okay, too. I don't think that... Yeah. I don't think that, like I said, friendships don't last forever, generally. I mean, mm-hmm. it's rare to see really, really long-term friendships. And, I mean, even then... It's going to end at some point, one way or another. Yeah. And uh, I think that was a really hard lesson for me to learn, actually, was the temporary nature of relationships. Because I had I lost some friends throughout my life that it hurt to lose them, you know. And I think it wasn't until I realized that I can still appreciate that friendship for what it was when it was and say... It wasn't a failed friendship. It wasn't a bad friendship because it ended. It was so important to me at this time. And it I needed it at this time. But it was never meant to go past that. It wouldn't have been healthy anymore. Does it... 
How much does it matter how it ended? I don't know. I think I think there can be some trauma with friendship endings, but I think a lot of times it feels more it feels feels more I don't know big and uh, dramatic than it actually is. And in hindsight, you're like, okay, that was really not that bad of an ending. <laughs> it just maybe felt like it at the time because there were emotions involved. But in hindsight, it's like. I don't know. It, that wasn't that bad. It could have ended way worse. Yeah, for me, it's the how I think matters a little bit more than what you just said to mm-hmm. me. But it all depends on how close I was to that person. Sure. If if it was like outer courts. Yeah. And it didn't end the greatest, I'm like, nah, it kind of sucks, but that's okay. The inner But court. if it's like the, the, the homies, the real homies, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm going to scoot this this way so I don't accidentally eat yours. <laughs> I mean, you can if you're <laughs> yeah. sharing is caring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which really leads a, a good transition. Number three is normal to feel grief. You said there have been times. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. There have been times that it felt tough. You know, when a friendship ends, there is a grieving process. Allow yourself to feel those emotions and be patient with yourself. Mm-hmm. We think, what's wrong with me? Um. Instead of being like, hold on, here's another quote. Instead of being like, of course I'm sad, of course I'm upset, I lost somebody I'm close to, that means I love them deeply. This is a natural part of intimacy and loss. I feel like that the quotes might have been, Hmm. might have thrown me off here. Let me say that again. Instead of being like, of course, oh, oh, Uh, the quotes are in the wrong place. It's throwing me off. Uh We think, what's wrong with me? Instead of being like, of course I'm sad. Of yeah. course I'm upset. Mm. I lost someone I'm close to. It means I love them deeply. Yeah. It, it's a natural part of intimacy and loss. I think some people think that it's not okay or understandable to mourn friendships. Like... Oh, it's not like it was your spouse and you got divorced or something yeah. like that. Like they they put a hierarchy on these relationships and it's like, no, this person was still so special to me. Yeah. And that relationship was unique in its own way, different from any other relationship, even if it's not my spouse. Yeah. There I have no other friendship like it. And you know, I think I've mourned several friendships before and they were hard to mourn, but getting past it, I think Allowed for appreciation for it, too. What happens when you bump into them? I haven't. <laughs> but if I did, I, I would be kind and I would I would say hello. Yeah. How do you do that? What do you mean? When you see a person that was a friend. Yeah. I think it, I think it matters how close to the Holy of Holies we're talking about here. Sure. <laughs> uh, so let's just go with like somewhere in the middle, not the closest closest. Because okay. that's uh, that's like such a, that can be a really deep wound, you know. Totally. Um, it almost is like an X. Yeah. You know, so get zoom out of that. Like if it's not like a, the super close, if it's like a friend. Mm-hmm. How do you, when you see them. What's the etiquette? What can we teach the all of our viewers? <laughs> yeah, because we're the experts. <laughs> right, right. Because we're adults <laughs> and we're friends, so we know about adult friendships. We're licensed, yes. Um, I think, for me, I try to live with an awareness that every time I meet somebody, they're a different person when, than when I last met them. 
this person is different now than when we were friends, and so am I. And we can come together and say hello and be cordial, and it doesn't have to go anywhere further than that. But you don't know who they are now. Well, that's okay. That's, but that's <laughs> what's so hard for me is like I don't even know who I'm saying hello to. Yeah. Because I know their face, mm. and I know the the past that we've had together. Yeah. They're both good and maybe not as good. Right. But that's not even who I'm talking to. Yeah, I think that distance helps. For me, it's like, this isn't the same person. So, it doesn't hurt as bad. This isn't as hard for me to talk right. to them because they're not the same person. But are person. you saying hello to a stranger? I guess not. Kind of. I mean, you know them, though. An acquaintance, maybe? Yeah. I know of them, and I knew them at one time, but I don't and know And they're them still anymore. in there. Yeah, a version of them. Yeah, I know that every seven years, our cells or whatever, we still remember more than seven years ago. It's not yeah, like yeah. our brains <laughs> just reboot, you know? <laughs> That'd be... Interesting. Oh, man. Could make an interesting sci-fi movie. I was about to say that. All right. Let's do it. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) All right. Find ways, number four, find ways to express your emotions. The Mm. thing about grief is that you can't put a timeline on it. Grief is just a process of continuously releasing emotion. Yeah. Same expert, by the way. That was a good one. (laughs) I I think they finally showed up. They used their psych degree. Their expertise finally hit right there. Uh, she recommends sharing your feelings with a friend that makes you feel safe. Mm-hmm. No matter what you share with them, they're going to validate it and acknowledge the extent of the loss. Yeah. I've got a couple friends like that where it's like we can say things that we could vent in the most raw way. Yeah. Because we know we're, we would never talk about these things publicly in this way. Right. You know. Totally. Like people, maybe at, at work, if somebody has a boss that they just hate and they're just like, I hate my boss. They would <laughs> never say that to their boss. Like, I hate you. But the, but there's like a close, where they shouldn't, <laughs> yeah. but a close friendship, you can be like, I hate that. But it's like, they know that you don't truly hate. You're just yeah. like so upset. You're Worked just up. using. and they or, or the challenge to be like, you mean you hate the circumstance, not the person. <laughs> yeah. You hate the sin, not the sin. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not you there. <laughs> Uh, that's the bullshittiest phrase. I know. It makes me so I, mad. It triggers me. <laughs> it makes me so mad that I have to laugh about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Number five, be kind to yourself along the way. It's important not to blame yourself for taking time to get over the loss of a friendship. Just because this happened like this doesn't mean more friendships will happen like this. Allow yourself to have a fresh perspective when you enter new friendships. Mm. So that's kind of like, you know, if somebody has a an ex and then they meet someone else, it's like, do they really want to put themselves out there again? Yeah, for sure. And and do you want to bring the trauma of that last relationship with you into this one and, and yeah. affect that? And uh, some people probably just say, do I even want to have trauma again at all? Do, is it worth the risk? So I just yeah. not have any friends and not open up. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you the kind of person that, that want that is easy like do you easily open up to people i think i can it depends on the person mm-hmm. i mean i'm i don't really consider myself like an oversharer mm-hmm. um at, like I, you gotta enter a certain space a certain court you know how do you know when, <laughs> how do you know when they've know. when they've earned you know what i mean yeah because like in that in the uh Bible story, mm-hmm. they earned their way in with offerings. Yeah. 
that'd be a pretty crappy way to view it. Like, well, you haven't given Maybe. me enough gifts. <laughs> well, it depends <laughs> but, on how you think about offering. Yeah, like, right, If right. they're yeah. offering their own stories there and their we go. own... I think, Gosh, this is good. Like, I think we're, we naturally reciprocate things. So if yeah. somebody smiles at you, you'll smile back, right? Um, and so if somebody shares a personal story or an event, something that's going on, something that you know, is a sign of vulnerability, we're compelled to reciprocate that, to share back. And so there is a level of offering, putting yourself out there saying, I need to see if this is safe with you. And you show them that it's safe with you by responding with your own offering of vulnerability. Mm. I love that. I mean, that I feel like this is, we're on to something really good here. Yeah. It, and and in, the, in the Hebrew story of, this really mirrors a lot of other ancient stories with offerings and stuff, but mm-hmm. having to kill something, like a sacrifice, yeah. right? Now, I, I don't like the idea of a god needing that in order to listen, whatever. But just if you just parallel the story, but make it not literal, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's something to be said about sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? Uh, maybe just a sacrifice of time or what something, yeah. right? Where it's like, oh, you cared enough to sacrifice some kind of something to show, to demonstrate it. Yeah. I don't actually want it to be a a red heifer like in the yeah. Bible. Like I don't want any, <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> want any dead animals and blood splattered. But it might be a dead animal in the form of a meal. Yeah, if you're a meat eater, you know, it could be like I've done, I've sacrificed and I've cooked this, and mm-hmm. it, it shows something, right? Yeah, it shows that maybe they're they're showing you where you are, where they want you to be in their court. Yeah, sort of. It's an invitation. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I agree. Then there's a, then there's like a grain kind of offerings, and mm-hmm. that's like that's not a. I mean, it is a sacrifice because anything you give is a sacrifice. Right. But um, it's not like killing something. Yeah. It's giving part of your abundance mm-hmm. with your with your uh, harvest. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I think maybe that is fun gifts or like. Um, or even charitable gifts. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. That's fun to think about. It is. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels there, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that that's sort of a a foundational aspect of friendship or any type of relationship development. Mm-hmm. There is a level of sacrifice and offering in, in any level. Yeah. You know. All right, TV shows and movies on a regular basis Kimberly and I are watching them and we're like, who are these people <laughs> that hang out at each other's apartments every day? That's, yeah. Or their houses. That's Maybe in apartment complexes, it's easier if you're neighbors and you just literally are like five, your door is five feet away or ten. Yeah. Maybe that. I did that when I was like 18. I don't do that now. But in May, <laughs> I mean, part of it might have been you had more time. Yeah. But then part of it also is you were living in, you were probably living in the equivalent of an apartment, like in yeah. a dorm. Yeah. So they were right there. So you just kind mm. of go doot doot and like hop on their couch or bed or whatever and yeah. just like chill with them. Watch watch TV. But like what's the what's the grown-up version of this? Of going and hanging out at somebody's house all day every day? Yeah, because that's that's not 
realistic no. or probably not even healthy or beneficial to just chill all the time. Yeah. And that's not even, it, it's a TV show and a movie. Like yeah. they're not even trying to necessarily portray mm-hmm. reality. They're just trying to convey an idea. I get it. Yeah. But what is that? I think it could take different shapes depending on the people and mm-hmm. what, you know, what sort of the cornerstone of their friendship. If it's a yeah. hobby, if it's yeah. an activity, if it's, you know, conversation, whatever. Um, and so that, I think that probably has something to do with mm-hmm. what that space looks like um, or that regular sort of spending time together. I think it could be any number of things. It could be going to a coffee shop once a week or every other week. It could be a, a Zoom call, yeah. honestly, you know, with yeah. people who are further away. I know people who do that. They have kind of like regular FaceTime calls with people who don't live close by to try and maintain yeah. a relationship across distance. And it works for some people. Um, it's a bit like having somebody in your house, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, where do we go from here? <laughs> I don't know. What what was the what was the reason that you wanted to have this be the topic? Well, I Maybe. think just because it's been on my mind a lot lately, and I I like hearing other people's thoughts about it. Especially, you know, y- your approach to friends is so different, I think, than most people. Yeah. And also myself, and I I'm I'm very interested in your approach to other people and how you're. Uh, how you're constantly meeting new people and kind of facilitating these yeah. interactions and stuff. Um, so that's this is really cool to hear about. Thanks. Yeah, yeah it sometimes it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not the initial. Sure. But like, if it's actually going to go anywhere, mm. you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where the number is. That's too m- much. Right. But I know that. I feel like I'm nowhere near the number be compared to my prior career. Mm. I, as a person in front of hundreds of people, I felt like not just like generally obligated. I felt like it was my f- career obligation, my job requirement. Yeah. To just be, be friends with like everyone I see. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so now that I don't feel that, and that, might, that was, you know, I'm not blaming anyone. I might have just put that sure. all on myself. Uh, but but I felt it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, well, I don't even have that. I'm like, this is, this whole, like, <laughs> friends thing is going to be easy now. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt. You got more time to yeah. spend on people, for sure. And, and at the risk of sounding really selfish, I get to choose the people now. Yeah. You know? I think that's, that's better. Honestly. I think it's better. There is some selfishness, but I would maybe say self-care-ishness. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know a better I mean? way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, ah. I think selfishness gets a bad rap sometimes. Yeah, like, I agree. We we have to take care of ourselves. It's like the first thing they teach you in the Navy is you have to secure your own lifeline before you save somebody else. Yeah. And it's like, I, I have to take care of myself or I can't be available for anybody. Yeah. I have to be number one, (laughs) even if that feels selfish or, you know, we want to put other people first. Like I have to take care of this first or nothing else is happening. Yeah. All right. We'll close with maybe how do we define what friendship is? We talked about adult. When do we, when do we become an adult? Yeah. So maybe we can talk about what friendship is and then maybe we can, 
like simultaneously or separately talk about how do you know when someone's mm. your friend? Yeah. Like, how do you know when you're an adult? Uh, we, we sort of cover that. How do we know when someone's your friend and, and what is a friend? What is, mm. <clears throat> what is that? I think a friend or a friendship, two people who are friends is two people intentionally choosing to maintain or grow a relationship. Mm-hmm. It could be in any capacity or any form, but yeah. I think that active choosing to invest in the relationship is the important part. That's a good one. Because if one person is doing all the, hey, what you doing? How you doing? Let's hang out. And they're always initiating. That doesn't feel equal. That doesn't feel like a friendship. That feels like somebody is chasing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and somebody doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've experienced that. Mm-hmm. I think I've experienced it on both sides. I think so. I have too. Yeah. Where maybe when I, in hindsight, I'm like, they were kind of chasing after me and I just wasn't giving them enough of myself. Yeah. It wasn't because I thought anything bad of them, but for whatever reason, I wasn't. Either you couldn't, you didn't want to, or yeah. you didn't realize at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It could know? be a combination. And then, and then I also know it's gone the other way where I'm like, oh, I think what I'm realizing is that they're they're pulling away yeah and i heard somebody one time i can't even remember you know how sometimes you get these little wisdom nuggets from people <laughs> and then it just sticks and you yeah. don't know where but it's like i feel like i didn't go anywhere mm-hmm. i didn't leave yeah and i don't think they left either but they maybe need space and time because of whatever it is they're going through yeah if they're going to, through a tough season of life and for whatever reason, maybe I'm not in the closest circle during their tough time. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we're not friends. Right. It just means that they needed to just go super into like the 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 in, inner room of, mm. the, of the temple with their just like four people that are just their four people. Yeah. And I might be just, just barely on that next one. That everything's great. But they just can't right now. Mm-hmm. And so I try to, I heard somebody describe it, not the temple language, but describe it that way. Yeah. And it was just like, in, so when you stop reaching out, because you should eventually stop, yeah. is what they said. Mm-hmm. But you don't change your heart's desire towards them. Yeah. You just stop saying, hey, again, mm-hmm. and you're just there for whenever they reemerge. And whenever they emerge... You're just there again. You don't make them pay for it. You don't like say, why haven't you, whatever. You're just there again. But you need to protect your own heart by Mm -hmm. eventually giving them the space that they're showing you that they want. Yeah, 100%. I I like that because I think it helps my heart Mm -hmm. instead of like, why aren't they calling me back or why are, are they yeah. mad at me? The whole like, are you mad at me? Yeah. It's an, it's, that's an immature it is. thing unless there's a real good reason. Yeah. To, I think, to think it, it also helps manage expectations and sort of prevent the, the threat of codependency too. to be yeah. like, okay, this person is living their life. They have stuff going on. We don't need to be in constant contact. We don't need to be in constant interaction and always hanging out and have a regular 
hangout sesh every week. And if we miss it, then we're not friends anymore. Like it doesn't have to be that constant there. There's like these ebbs and flows with friendships. And some of the best friends I've ever had are the people who I don't talk to for months. And then one of us picks up the phone one day and calls the other one. And it's like, we pick up where we left off. It's amazing, isn't it? It's so great. It's so refreshing. It's like, oh man, the pressure of trying to work so hard to maintain a friendship is gone. We understand we're important to each other and we're going to find a way to reconnect at different points. It's going to happen because we value each other. It's amazing. It's so cool. <laughs> and man, I've got friends that when I think about our the times like the amount of time we've been friends. Mm-hmm. We've both it's like me and this other person I can think of a few and it's like we've changed so much yeah and gone through so many kinds of transitions mm-hmm. whether it be a marriage uh, children city changes job changes yeah whatever right mm-hmm. uh, and then to just boom we're on the phone or we see yeah. each other and it's just it's it's not just like uh we're pick up where we left off in terms of always and only talking about the same thing but right. but the but the energy is just like yeah nothing nothing like the the fuel tank didn't go down yeah it's just right there or there's no hard feelings nothing. for the lost time in between or any expectation that anything should be different you right. know there's an, an acceptance of this is who we are as individuals and this is who we are as friends and this is enough that's a really special thing it's so special i really i really appreciate those friends that i have like that because i i would consider most of them in that inner circle mm-hmm. we don't hang out every day i don't even see them every year anymore yeah but we talk periodically we find ways to keep in touch with each other and i know if i ever needed anything anything I could call them and be like, you were, you were the first person on my mind when this came up. I need you right now. And they'd be there. 100%. That's a good friend. Yeah. That's a good friend. And that that's enough, I think. I think those people are enough. Yeah. It's great to have people to go do things with and to spend time with and grow with. But I think having those those constant friends over a long period of time where there's no pressure to be anything different and lots of time can pass between meetings or calls yeah that's the something special <laughs>